Hey guys, welcome back to another eavesdrop session. Firstly, I want to thank all of you for participating in last week's session. Uh, it was incredible. We had a lot of fun and I appreciate all the feedback that you've given us. It has been so beneficial to us. And today we're going to be speaking about taking action despite the struggles and the fears that we face. So I know that this is such a crucial time for this kind of topic and I believe it's going to help each and every one of us. We're also touching on perspectives and how other people's opinions can have such a detrimental or positive effect in our lives. So I know this is going to be for you. I hope that this is going to equip you, inspire and motivate you. Have a look and enjoy. So today's subject matter. Yes. Taking action. Yeah, dude, I, I quite fancied that one actually, hey? Nice. Um, taking action in spite of fear of that. Yeah. You know what, like, mm. um, and, and it did, it came from, I think where, where it really stemmed from was myself in a position now um, there's a lot of things that I know that I need to do, but taking action is, is, is what's keeping me from achieving what I know that I, need, I, I can in this time. You know, there is such opportunity and I'm in a position where I know what I, what I need to know. And um, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen a number of people who I know personally doing the type of things that I'm like, yeah, Jacques, you should be doing that. And then I start kicking myself in the butt and being like, Jacques, why, why don't you? Like, what are you afraid of? What, what is the issue behind uh, your stagnation? And uh, so from there, I actually, funny enough, went and uh, read some of Nehemiah's context in what he did with regards to rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And um, it was interesting how there was a point where he had prayed for God to bless him in what he was trying to do. And the moment he felt like he got the blessing, he immediately took that step regardless of the fact that he was could very easily have been killed by the king uh, for, for requesting or even for just being so desperate in front of him, you know? Um, and sure. I thought like, really, what is there? Like if you've got that, that, that affirmation, the confirmation, those promises, what, what is it that's keeping you from, from acting? And I think even just mm. with regards to the, the dreams that, that we do have and the goals that we're trying to achieve. Once we have an idea of what we should be doing, why, why hold back? You know, obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that does get in the way. There's, there's no getting around that in terms of, mm -hmm. but most of it's in your, in your head. So, I mean, for you, I don't know if you've got anything specific that you've had experience in your life that's caused some kind of a disturbance in what you've planned. I know that you're a very hard hitter, go get it, you do what, what you want to do. Um, I don't know if that's, be, if, has that been a product of your upbringing? I know you said last week you've had, your dad was very, or your, your family upbringing was, you know, quite strong and you, you, you had to do things. Um, do you think that fed into it or did you have to learn that after the fact? Um, dude, I think that the bigger the giant, the bigger the stone. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at, at David, he took five little pebbles for that giant. Mm -hmm. And maybe what would have happened if there was a bigger giant after Goliath? Maybe he would have picked up five slightly larger pebbles. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't think about that. He picked up five little pebbles and he put them into his sling and well, he put one into his sling and he mm-hmm. swung it around and he aimed. And the funny thing is that he picked up five, not necessarily because he was going to miss the first one, mm. but there were other opportunities for him to act in bravery. Mm-hmm. Sure. Of fear. And if you look at, at fear, I think that um, you've got to learn to be brave inside of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've also got to define fear. Now, David was already equipped with his sling. Yeah. He just wasn't equipped with the, with the, with the, with the pebbles, but they were in part of the resource that he had to go out and fetch sure. the tools that he needed. Hmm. He had the sling. He didn't have the pebbles. Hmm. He went to the stream to fetch those little pebbles. Okay. Yeah. So that already tells me this, that he had already done this before. Mm-hmm. On bears, perhaps, on mountain lions, whatever the case is, that he'd already used what he was equipped with. Yeah. But on a regular basis, we forget that we've got these things in our hand already. We've used them so many times. But what we don't have, we will only get just before the next challenge. And that's actually where we've got to step out and pick up pebbles. So, you know, maybe it's about defining what our giants are, really. Um, or another way to say it is to define your fear. Um, and you need to learn to be brave. Renee Brown does a lot of work around vulnerability and mm-hmm. bravery. And I think they go really well together. Okay. Um, because you can't be brave if you're not vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And there's always some vulnerability. What you want to do is eliminate as much risk as you possibly can. But you've got to learn to be brave. And you're not going to be brave for everything. You're going to be brave for that thing immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing is going to scare you until you face it. Yeah. Until you pick up pebbles. And as soon as you put those pebbles into your sling, and get back into your groove, into that rhythm, into that motion, and realize I've done this before. The pebbles that I picked up before this one were a lot smaller because those giants were a lot smaller. Mm. Those pebbles, just the right size for this giant. There it go. Yeah. So it's, it's the kind of bravery that you learn to get stronger in when you face your giants all the time, when you face your fear all the time. Um, and I think you need to also understand perhaps what's holding you back. Why are you afraid? You know, yeah. um, are you afraid of, of failure? Are you afraid of what people are going to say? Um, are you perhaps ill-equipped? Are you nervous? Nervousness is an energy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that if we understand how to use it correctly, then, then fantastic. But it's not necessarily that you only go on taking action in, in the face of fear because of what parents upbringing was or your upbringing was. Um, because David had brothers, but he was standing alone that day. Yeah. Quite often we stand alone when we face our own giants. Um, and we only get to tell the story after they were slain. Yeah. You know? 
and that's when the family's back together to hear the stories. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think, but like I say, it's the, the knowing that what you've got in your hand, right? Um, and when we have a look at that particular scenario where David goes out to fight Goliath, his brothers are actually behind the lines. Uh, they were actually in the fight. He wasn't. He arrived there with some cheese and crackers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he says, you know what, I'm going to go and do it. So where, what, was, what do you think was the difference between him being willing to go and do it versus them standing back and saying, you know what, we can't do it? Because obviously Goliath came out and taunted them every single day. Um, mm. David was just fed up with it. Uh, was there just a, do you think that there was a matter of, okay, I've decided I cannot stand for this anymore, so I'm going to do what it's going to take? Whereas the rest of them were still trying to mull in their heads. How are we going to get through this? What exactly is going to happen? Was it, do you think the first yeah. place, uh, and, and maybe it's a rhetorical question, but I think it's worth having a look at is the first call of defeating the giant has to be within our own heads is making that decision that it doesn't matter what the giant looks like. We're going after him anyway. Yeah. You use the great word willingness. He was willing to, um, and I think the first part of that is the, the part of the word will, mm -hmm. where there's a will, there's a, there's, gotcha. a, there's a need, there's a wanting to do something, and you will it, and you will do it. Um, and that's where willingness comes from. You've got this thing inside of you that says, I just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to allow this to happen. Something's got to change. Mm. Um, and... I think it was Bill Hybels who did a sermon on, on something around um, that point where he spoke about Popeye and how Popeye, I think it was, said, I just can't stand this no more, you know? And yeah. uh, he took a, a swig of his, his um, spinach out of the can, as he used to do. And all of a sudden he had this this thing that empowered him mm. but I don't think it was the spinach that empowered him I think it was that will the willingness is what empowered him and for me that's heart not mm. necessarily a head thing it's a heart thing there's there's a willingness there's a there's a desire you see desire comes from that from the heart strategy comes from the head got you so so David had this desire he had this will inside of him and the strategy came from his head, the stones and the sling, because that was what he was used to using. Um, and so for me, it's, it's maybe that our giants taunt us every single day, mm. like they're taunting brothers. Um, and it's a funny thing because I think that often fear, like the giant, has a bully mentality. But as soon as in life you face the bully, the bully backs down. Hmm. And it took the smallest guy who couldn't wear the king's outfit to bring down the biggest bully because he had will inside of him. And he had that in his heart and he had strategy in his mind. Um, and what do we do now? I think that your what doesn't change but your how might mm -hmm. um, in, in a time of fear. What needs to be done is what needs to be done. How it needs to be done, well, that'll, that'll see 
um, as we go along, you know. Mm. Uh, and again, you you learn to be brave. Yeah. But you're only brave when you're scared. You're only brave when you're scared. Yeah. In the face of the danger, that's when you're called to be yeah. brave. Because it's one thing to speak about it, it's another thing to actually do something about it, to act on it, and yeah. to, to, to see that victory. Um, yeah. Okay, so we, we're talking about bravery. Um, now, obviously, there's, in the space that we're in at the moment, um, there is that, that fear. Uh, I mean, you guys are feeling it as well. I mean, most people are of, you know, there's a, less of an income. Uh, they're struggling. The businesses are also, they're, they're, I know there's a lot of them that's trying whatever they can to still pay their people. Um, but whether they get out of this on top or not is, a, is another question. Um, but I heard, I was listening to a discussion. I can't remember what the, what the podcast name was, but it was, uh, I know there was Jordan Peterson who was featured on it. And he was talking about, I think the title was how to sell anything to anyone, which is quite intriguing. Yeah. Um, but he talks a lot about the psychology behind things. And he was saying when it comes to, uh, being an entrepreneur, which like we discussed, a lot of people are going to have to start having a look at that type of, uh, way forward to some degree if they can't if, if the job's no longer there um and i think even if the job's there becoming more of a creative thinker in how you can apply yourself to a particular situation a particular problem uh, that needs to be solved and he mentioned that there's entrepreneurs are very similar to artists in yeah. the way that there's they've got great ideas but you gotta to to have someone who's actually going to like your idea and want to pay you for it is something that is very uh number one is very daunting but it's also very difficult at the same time yeah um and the thing is is that you're never going to have someone who at your very first idea or your very first painting your very first song is going to fall in love with it and is going to be willing to give you uh the money that you feel it's worth so having that willingness to say okay um this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I believe in. Now I'm going to go out and I'm going to give it my all. And even if people don't like it, I'm going to get myself up, do something new, try again, and do yeah. that until you have that breakthrough. Uh, so less of a, you're going to, you know, trust yourself to, to do it the first time, more of a, give yourself space to understand that it's probably not going to happen the first time, but try as hard as you can anyway, however many times mm. it's going to take. Uh, and I think mm. that's, that's part of the bravery that comes in is, is knowing that your first stone might not take them down. You might need a sure. couple more. You might need to, to uh, adjust your angle. You might need to adjust your, your thinking. Like you say, your what yeah. needs to shift. Um, but the fact that, you're going to do it doesn't shift. Whereas I think True. the fear comes into place where it adjusts the people's that rather than their how. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and inside of that is that big bully. Mm. Um, we let yourself be bullied by your own fears. Um, you know, we're talking about taking action and when things don't go right, instead of retreating, you've got to have a reaction to what's just happened. React. Do it again. 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 You know, when you're playing darts, 
you're not going to get the bullseye every time. As a matter of fact, for the first five, six, seven times, you might not even get the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you get it onto, onto the mat. And then yeah. you get it on the wall. And that's why you see there's so many walls around a dartboard that have got little pit holes in it. Um, and then eventually you hit the board. And when you hit the board, you think, oh my word, I'm on target. Fantastic. But your target always changes. Mm. And you've got to get closer to your target, perhaps. Because in an economy like this, things are going to shift. Now, you know your target is success, but success where, success how, success when. So as much as it does shift, it doesn't because we know what it is, but it's almost like it's got to be dynamic and you've got to be dynamic. So mm. you throw the dot again and again and again. And then one day you hit the board. And one day you aim for the number and you get the number. And then one day you get the little red dot in the middle. Good. And what that does is it, it builds up two things. It builds up confidence and it builds up competence. So, it's almost like there are two pedals on the same bike where you push down in this pedal of confidence and then you push down in the pedal of competence and you keep going. And those two things give you balance, but they also give you momentum. And eventually you think, okay, I've got enough speed just to take a bit of a rest and, and you relax and you stop pedaling for a while and you start freewheeling down to where you're headed. And you realize, okay, cool. What does this time do? It allows me to breathe. It allows me to take in, to see where I'm at, to do some kind of assessment. But you're always pushing down on the, the one pedal of confidence and the other one of competence. But you've got to have them both because if you only ever push down on competence, you're going to fall off. Hmm. If you only push down on confidence, you're going to fall off as well. So it's about trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and realizing that, hey, this is a dynamic kind of relationship with whatever it is that you're wanting to achieve. Yeah, like there has to be a, a symbiosis between the two. You've got to have one with the other. You can't, you can't try and operate with them separately, which is a difficult thing for, I think, most people because, okay, let's, without putting too much weight on it, with, with regards to personality types, certain people will be leaning very much onto the competent side where other people will be on the confidence side. Um, how does, how would you... If, if you, okay, let, let's take it one from either side. If you were a very person who prides yourself on competence, like you catch onto things very quickly, you, you, you adapt to situations and environments uh, very quickly, how would you shift uh, to start becoming more confident uh, and, and learn how to pedal that side more frequently than just focusing on the competence side? I think that you've got to, if, if, if you're at the point where you know everything, it's time to unlearn everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because ultimately you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And I think you've always got to have, again, the willingness, that will, the will to learn. If I'm this good and I've got this far, what if... I was to learn something else. Hmm. What could I achieve then? So maybe self-awareness really is, is a key there where, yeah, you do know a heck of a lot um, and you're pretty good at what you do. And everybody really wants to be good at what they do. 
I mean, you want a good salary, you want a good job, you want a good sex life, you want a good relationship. And I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. But are you prepared to settle for good? Mm-hmm. What if we were to do something slightly different? Yeah. To train slightly different, to change a strategy, to be aware that, hey, listen, if I was to tweak just this thing, I could maybe get 10% there. And 10% could take me to the 70% target that I'm looking to achieve. Mm. So it's about being aware, self-aware. It's about the fact that you're willing to learn and sometimes unlearn what you already know, because sometimes I think knowledge gets in our way, believe it or not. You know, um, we know so much, but there's so much we don't know. And because we know so much, we're too afraid to explore what we don't know because inside of that is often, I didn't realize. Yeah. I'm feeling like an idiot. I should have, I should have known that. Yeah, but you didn't. And that's okay. So maybe what we need to remember then is to remove ego mm-hmm. as much as we can. I think ego is like a three letter word. And yet it's probably the biggest word in the English language just because it keeps getting bigger. <laughs> And the more we know, the bigger we get. Yeah. The bigger we get, the bigger we are. Yeah. And yet, we wanna we wanna get bigger and better than what we were ourselves for others, hmm. not for ourselves. But that I think that comes with time, and it comes with experience, and it comes with you know being around people who are bigger than you as well, hmm. perhaps. Hmm. And maybe going back to to David. Um, maybe being around Goliath wasn't a bad thing. Yeah. Because he was, he was quite an achiever hmm. already, I think. Um, but we've always got to face a giant that's bigger than us. Otherwise, what's the point? Sure. Yeah, Where's I think, I think, I think that's, you, you touched on some good points there. Um, number one, being around people who are bigger than yourself, which I think at this point is very difficult but so imperative to a lot of people Um, having an idea or being around people who are thinking for growth in the future, rather than staying in reaction mode of, okay, how are we going to survive this? And then moving towards a place of how are we going to thrive through this? So finding people in your life who you can connect with that have that kind of mentality. Um, but also putting yourself in place where people are so much bigger than you that you, your ego again has to take a step back and say, wow, okay, let me humble myself for a second and realize that mm. there is a lot more to learn. There is a lot more that I can uh, apply to my life. I think, I think this, this confidence and the competence uh, duo can bring about two very different kinds of outcomes in life. Perhaps the, the confidence can and again, maybe from some, some personal experience in life and what I've gone through, I've always been a fairly confident person in the, in the sense that yes, this can be done. You know, there's, 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 there's always a way to, to do it. However, the competence hasn't always been there, meaning the taking the action to actually achieve those things that you are so confident about ends up putting you in a position where you feel like you can do it to the point where you're like, I should have done it. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to the competence side, it's that you, you're so good at it 
that you just keep doing, 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 doing to the point where you realize, but what if it wasn't actually what I wanted to do? That, yeah. that self-awareness is lacking and you get to the end of your life and you've done so much, but it hasn't fulfilled you in the way that you had expected it to. <laughs> and so I think, I think yeah. for that reason as well, it's so important to have that back and forth between your competence and your confidence. And, you know, maybe as you, as you're freewheeling, spend some time, you know, having a look, do, do I know, and am I doing what I need to do? Um, but also yeah. is that taking me in the direction that I'm actually wanting to go? And am I confident in myself to, to be able to do that and, and start building ourselves up in those spaces? Um, mm. So, That's good. so if we have a look at the, taking it back to the giant and getting yourself around the bigger people, the people are going to challenge you, that kind of stuff. Um, what would you be asking? Or, or if I could ask, what are you asking yourself right now for the future? What kind of people are you looking for to, to take you to that next step to, to get you to a point where there is going to be that thriving, not that surviving after the lockdown. I think that um, to go back quickly to what you were saying around thriving and surviving, what if, you know, well, what if this does work? Yeah. What would it look like if it actually did work? If this was successful, what, what would it look like? Yeah. Um, you know, if it all worked out just, just the way it should be, what would that be like? And all of a sudden you get this smile on your face because you're realizing, yeah, there's a little thing called hope. And hope, <laughs> as much as hope is not a strategy, it's still hope. It's something that we've got to go saying, hey, hope is almost the flavorant behind vision. Mm. That's what gives vision the the essence is called hope you know yeah um but understanding it's it's going to be people that you want to hang around with that i think that are like-minded um okay when you, when you say when you say like-minded sorry to interrupt you obviously you don't want them to be too like-minded lest they start thinking the same way uh, you do because <laughs> there's there's two different groups that i'll go to there okay cool the one is being like-minded because mm -hmm want to hang around somebody who's who's got a similar ethos who can inspire you and motivate you and 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 still challenge you absolutely sure but somebody who's going to say dude yeah just imagine just imagine and all of a sudden you hang around this person who's an absolute arsonist who lights fires underneath you yeah someone who says you know what? You can do it. As a matter of fact, we can do it. We can all do this. Yeah. Okay. You've got to hang around people who are like-minded and then you're going to have to hang around people who are contra thinkers perhaps. Okay. Mm -hmm. And who contradict the way you think and the, and the words that you use because inside of their perspective, there might be some things that you can learn as well. Now, I don't want to hang around negative people. I really don't. I really genuinely don't. But I don't have an issue hanging around a contra-thinker who contradicts my thinking. Hmm. Because then all of a sudden I'm going, oh, wow, it might not be the truth, but it might be a perspective that I never thought about. Sure. You know. And I mean, I think... But, okay, right? but hang around big thinkers 
Hmm. Don't hang around people who are, you know, micro thinkers. You want to hang around a macro thinker, people who, who are stocked up on brilliance, people who are stocked up on energy, people who are stocked up on, on what needs to be the positive resources of life, not the hmm. negative ones. Yeah. And I think if we could just hone in a little bit on the, the idea of perspective, because I think if there's anything in life that we need more of is, is perspective. We, we make the decisions that we make. We do the things that we do because of the perspective that we have on life, on people, on situations. And, and our perspective is built by essentially the things that we let into our, into our life, into our minds. The question then has to, we have to be, I think, so self-aware as to say, okay, if I, do I genuinely agree with the perspective that I have, first off? And if not, what, what alternative perspective is there? And then you've got to go searching. And I think that's part of the action is if you don't like the outcome that is being presented to you, if you don't like the, the idea of where we're going to end up post lockdown, if it doesn't excite you, then go and find the people who are going to excite you, who are going to give you that, who, who essentially, as you were saying, are the bigger thinkers, the people who are yeah. saying, okay, let's not focus on the small nitty gritties that are going to be difficult, but let's focus on the big things and come then down to the smaller aspects and figure out how we can adjust it to achieve that bigger thinking. Um, yeah. so that perspective is so key. And the, the, the thing is, is that it's up to us to get the perspective. The perspective is sure. not going to be thrown in our face. The, the, as a matter sure. of fact, the way that, that media is today, just because people, you know, because bad news just floods everywhere. It's that small thinking that is going to be permeating our thoughts. It's going to be permeating our, 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 our mind space. By default, if that's not what we want, we've got to change it. We've got to take the action, find the people that we want to. And this is, this is one of the things that I'm so passionate about at the moment. Because we're in lockdown, because everyone is spending every hour of every day on social media, there's, I, believe, I believe there's two different ways to do it. There's a bad way and a good way. Now, it's not necessarily mm -hmm. that the bad way is, is detrimental to, to anyone's health or anything like that, at least not in the short term. But yeah. what we will find is that there's going to be a lot of people who's going to start getting addicted to social media because of the entertainment factor that it's giving them. Now, when they find themselves going back to everyday life, they're going to be in a position where they are checking their phones more often, going on social media, mm -hmm. checking their Instagram, their Facebook, whatever the case is, going onto TikTok, getting entertained more than um, being invested in or investing into others or into their job. And so the bad way, I think, is what everyone falls into naturally. It's that I find something that, I, that I'm entertained by on social media and um, the latest gossip, the latest funny video, whatever the case is, and they start absorbing that day in and day out. But then sure. you get the healthy social media, the one that is going to add value. And that is to go to your search menu and say, okay, I'm interested in growing my skill in X. Search for that one phrase, whether it's a hashtag, whether it's a group, whatever the case is, and subscribe and do it to as many variations of those groups or hashtags as possible so that your feed is flooded with it. So every day when you're opening up your social media, you're learning, you're growing, you're, you're, you're investing in yourself. So when you come out of the lockdown, you're in this mode of growth rather than this mode of entertainment and, and mm -hmm. relaxation. And that's going to give you such a broad perspective because you now not only have the people in your direct line of 
uh, of life or, or, or your, your direct circle, you've got so many more people who have the same interests as you, have, have greater experience yeah. than you, very likely that you can go and learn from. The difficulty with it is that you can't just take everyone by their word. You can't just say, okay, cool, you, you have done it. I'm going to do what you do or I'm going to follow everything that you say. You're going to become a student sure. of it. You're not just going to become a, a, a person who absorbs all the information and is like, okay, cool, yeah, let's just do that. You've got to take it, analyze it, figure out what works for you and then grow on top of that. Take the perspectives, design your own ideology around that, the way that you think it's going to work for your situation and then act on that to achieve a, a greater outcome than you could have expected previously. And, and that's, I think it's also, you know, the bigger thinkers surrounding yourself with them, not necessarily physically, but also in a, um, in, in a broader sense of your mentors, you select them. They don't have to speak directly into your life. They're not a coach, but they get to give you the knowledge, give you the insight and the wisdom that you need. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think perspective, if you look at the word perspective, it's the word spectacles. Okay. Um, perspect to mm. see. All right. So when you put a set of spectacles on a pair of spectacles, um, it creates clarity mm. perhaps, or it doesn't. Very good. Okay. So I can't give you my glasses because the prescription isn't necessarily suitable for your eyes. In other words, what do you prescribe to that prescription play there? Okay. Um, so we can get other people's perspectives, but that then will help us to clarify what we believe and why we believe it. Mm. Because we believe stuff and we're prepared to, to, to die for what we believe we're prepared to kill for what we believe, but the hardest thing is to live for what we believe mm. because we're not sure actually why we do that. And that in itself is a perspective moment. Um, so as much as I love what you're saying then around it's not imposed, you've got to actually just take somebody else's lenses for just a little while yeah. and look through them and say, is this clear for me? Does this clarify things or not? Because if somebody's perspective doesn't clarify anything for you, you shouldn't be looking through their filter. 100%. Because then, it's, I mean, it's all, it's all peripheral. It's all um, hearsay, if you would, if it doesn't clarify anything for you. It's just, it's, it's really what it's doing is it's creating murky water, you know. Creating... Yeah, you become blinded, I think. Literally, yeah. you become blinded by other people's opinions. Um, and sometimes you become blinded by our own opinions as well, as a matter of fact, where we don't know that we need a set of glasses. Yeah. I remember years ago in school, uh, my cousin and myself were in similar grades and we used to hang out a lot. And uh, he went to go and get his eyes tested and, and came back with glasses. And he's like, Wes, I can see. I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know you can. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like in the past, that tree was a green haze, but now I can actually see the leaves. Mm. So sometimes it does need another person to help us gain perspective. We need to regularly have our vision checked. Hmm. We really do. And, and it's almost revision going back to what we were 
supposed to have a clear vision on because we lose our way but it's it's so the two-part thing really is is making sure that the vision that we've got is clear and making sure that that um, we've got people around us to help us test our vision mm-hmm. on a regular basis. But then to not take on other people's perspectives without testing that too, so that we become blind by theirs or ours, mm-hmm. where we just didn't see the truth. And I think... So if it, if it creates clarity, fantastic. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. then move on. Yeah. And I think in that space as well, what's going to give you clarity today won't necessarily give you clarity tomorrow. So as, we're, as we are taking people's perspectives and applying it to our life, where we are right now, you know, you might be standing in a, a very sunny spot. And so you need shades. You need something that's going to take yeah. the glare out of your eyes so you can see where you're going. But then you get to a position where, okay, you're now in a, in a, a structure. Your, your perspective has gotten, gotten you into a place where you are now in a building you know, you've, you've built the foundation, you've got the walls up, but now there's a different perspective that you have to have. Your, your shades are now impeding on your vision because you cannot see in the, in the darkness. Now you're going to have glasses on that help you with that so that you can navigate your way indoors. If that's a, I mean, it's a very loose analogy to make, but there's always got to be that adjust. Like, yeah, so it, it's, it's adjusting your perspective all the time. And, and the difficulty comes in, I think, where you spend a lot of time with someone who you share a perspective with where you, your vision is aided by theirs, but then it gets to a point where your vision, you're in, in one season, they're in a different season and you no longer have that cohesion in your vision. Now you've got to figure out a way to, to navigate around it because now you're no longer standing in the same place as they are. You got to now say, sorry, I'm not, I can't see that the way that you're seeing. Perhaps you've gotten to a level higher. As a matter of fact, there was a, a sermon that I thought was so good um, by, I can't remember the gentleman's name, it was from Elevation Church a couple of weeks ago. And he was talking about the lame man at the gate, beautiful. And the whole, one, one of the biggest points that he made was that that person was down on the ground, right? Mm. And we need to find a way for us to get up from that. And people will then, when we get up and people are still down there, the people that we've been with, the people we've been associated with, because when you're down on the ground and you can't really move anywhere, you're, you're connecting with those people. Now, at some point that was good for you because you understand your, your environment. You understand what's happening around you. You can navigate life in that way. But when you get to a point where you can now stand you can't necessarily speak to them the way that they've been speaking the whole time. You've got to change your speech. You've got to change your perspective. And the problem is that they're going to tell you very likely that you're stuck up. And the difficulty is that you've just gotten up and they're still stuck. And there's the, there's the transition that needs to happen. And it's not that they're less than us. It's not that they are uh, in a, in a position that is lower than ours. It's just that we've moved on from that. We've got to love them and help them and assist them in the space that they're in as much as it doesn't hinder where we're going. And I think we all have a capacity to do that. But again, it takes a, a shift of, of, of lens, a shift of perspective. Now, having that, I, I remember, always remember where you were so you can help the people who are still there, but continue to grow to the position that you can be so that you can achieve your vision, that you don't yeah. stay stuck where you were. And maybe find people who were 
where you're at. Yeah. So that they can help you too. Yeah. Um, but your your analogy around different glasses for different situations makes a lot of sense because I always talk about the fact that context creates clarity. Mm-hmm. Context creates clarity. So if you're looking at something through the wrong lens and and the context and all you will see is the fear as a matter of fact because it's a blurry image um, and i'm not sure quite what i'm looking at but you need context in everything i think you need bigger picture mm. and if you go to speak about lenses then the other idea is this that you do need a microscope but then you also need a telescope mm. or perhaps binoculars and the microscope helps you look for those little details because often it's the devil's in the details. Mm. And you've got, to, you've got to tweak those little things, but you've got to have an understanding of the macro environment as well. So don't be so used to only seeing this tiny little thing when in actual fact is the big picture. Yeah. And then don't only look at the whole big picture when you realize if I was just looking at this big puzzle that we put together, but I was too afraid to actually pay attention to the little block that's missing. We've got an issue. Mm. So you've got to be able to expose yourself to both. Yeah. You know, that's why I think cameras focus a little bit to see what it is that they need to be looking at, what, mm. what it is that they need to be shooting at. So it's what we focus on, perhaps. Just learn that your eyes need to get into focus. Yeah. And, and I think, so I think that's, again, like you said, if I could maybe make the analogy a little more clear for myself, maybe even, you're having a look at the macro uh, and you've got to be careful that you're not looking through your binoculars and stumbling over the rock in front of you. Yeah. But you've got to be able to have, you know, sometimes you want to look at that rock and figure out what kind of rock it is to see if it's going to be useful to you. You know, so have that, that real close look at it. And so that mm. being, being the differentiation between the two. Um, and I think, again, coming back to the people that's around you, having people around you who can help you in those spaces, who are strong in those spaces is huge. It's a major key to, to achieving that success that you're looking for. Because if you can have someone who is constantly looking, who is very good at looking at the macro, and you're very good at looking at the micro, and you can work in cohesion with each other in a, in a particular mm. vision, there's gold that that's, can be mined right there. You can, you can find some real gems in that space. And nothing lasts forever, but at least in that season, you've got a winning formula. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think the key is to, to find people that you've got chemistry with, mm. you know, um, as well. People who are going to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to help you with this. Um, and I'll walk the journey with you and I'll teach you and I'll coach you. But I want something in return. Mm. You know, I want you to do the same thing for me or for somebody else at least. Yeah. Um, but hanging around somebody who is prepared to put into you as much as what you're prepared to put into them. And you just get on and you have some fun at the same time because... You know, like 
I don't want to hang around people who I can learn from all the time. Because come on, that's going to get damn boring no matter how interesting the lesson is. <laughs> I want to be hanging around people who I actually have fun with, who I can yeah. do life with, yeah. you know, who um, are not afraid to, to get their hands dirty, to roll their sleeves up, to make a mess, and, and to say, Freak, we stuffed that up, let's just do it again. You can't be so academic with, with who you choose to hang around you. You've got to have people of all walks of life. Um, you know, because if you're only learning from one source, I think your flavor is going to be pretty bland. You've got to have people around you that's going to say, listen, yes, no, maybe, why not? What if? Because there is that multiple focus of perspective, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and I think just... I mean, because we've gone through a whole lot of stuff already, which is, which is awesome. Um, and I think this whole idea about having the right vision and the right people and that kind of stuff, it all has to be backed by actually doing something about it. Yeah. Because we can all get, we, I mean, you and I can get out of this conversation and sit back and say, wow, that was great. You know what? Where's this one heck of a guy? Like, you know, he, he's, he's, he's got some weird beard hairs, but he's, he's, he's a heck of a guy, <laughs> but, but I mean, that could be, that could be the end of it. Right. But yeah. it's actually going and saying, okay, how, how do we take this further? What do we actually have to do coming up with a plan, understanding that, that, um, like you said, what you're going to add value to me, I'm going to add value to you. How do we go on that journey? What does it look like? Because that's, that's how all great for, partnerships form. That's how all great, uh, all the great businesses form is two people who have a, a, a similar kind of passion and vision have different skills. Mm. They, they have such chemistry and they get together and actually do something about it. And yeah. just a couple of things and, and please add to this somewhat of a summary, if you would, is that we have to number maybe not in this particular order, but we've got it. Number one, find vision and then find people, yeah. you know, and sometimes yeah. they go, they go in different, they, they, they can switch around. Sometimes you've got to find the people before you find the vision. The people are going to make True. you think bigger who are going to allow you to find that vision. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then be sure that you are intentionally going to connect that you're going to do and that you're going to learn that that's mm. going to be your formula, you know, connect with the people, do what it is that, that you, you feel like you need to do, but then learn from it and, and just repeat the cycle, connect with more people, do more stuff and learn more things. And in that, find something that you, that you're really passionate about, find your niche, find your vision, find your, your, your love. Maybe in this time mm. that everything looks so, so uh, uncertain, maybe it's a time that you're going to find that thing that you really are passionate about and you can actually do something about it. And sure. follow on with that. The right people, the right vision, the right action, and make something beautiful happen. Yeah, I think that's a you've you've put a good list together there. Um, you know, it's having somebody around you. I think that can do all of that, plus have a sense of accountability. Hmm. Um, where you said you would do this, you haven't done it yet. What the hell? Yeah. Keep going. Come on. I believe in you. So you need somebody who's going to hold you accountable um, to what you say that you're going to do. Because as much as what it could be a good idea, you end up saying, I have no idea, you know, um, because you just did nothing about it. Yeah. Um, 
you need a cheerleader, you need a fan, somebody who's going to cheer you on and say, come on, you know, I believe in you, you've got mm-hmm. this. But somebody who's actually going to not take your BS and say, <laughs> what are you doing about this? Because we had this discussion a year ago and often when I work with, with clients, um, we have similar conversations where I tell them straight off the bat, I don't want to have this conversation with you in six months to a year's time. Mm. I want to have a different conversation where we look at what you've achieved now, not worth just what you've planned. Yeah. Because plans are great, but actions are better. Mm-hmm. So you need somebody to help you take action and to, to keep you accountable, I think. And I, and I think, again, with that, it is so powerful, but it takes a lot of self-awareness in it as well, because you've got to, I think you've got to make a decision up front that as much as that person is going to get on your nerves, is it worth it to push you to that, to, to achieve what you want to achieve? Because otherwise you're going to just look at them and be like, yeah, whatever, like roll your eyes and, and, and just annoy them, annoy yourself in the long run. And eventually you're going to, you're going to kick your butt about it because you know, you should have done what they were trying to push you to do. But I think it does, it takes that sense, it has to take that sense of, you know what, as much as that person is going to get on your nerves, because they will, because you're giving that permission to them to, to speak into you in that space, they are going to get on your nerves, they are going to, to frustrate and irritate and, and, and almost at the wrong, at the worst possible times, they're going to ask you to do something that you said you were going to do, but you really just don't feel like doing it. Taking that on the chin and saying, you know what, I, I understand that I put them in that position. They've got their best, my best interests at heart. And so you've got to find that right person, but definitely give them that accessibility to your life uh, and, and into your emotions to say, okay, yes, they want me to do this because it's going to be good for me. Not just because yeah. I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's key that if you don't do it, you know that they're going to be on your case hmm. and you've given them permission and it's not, a scapegoat it's it's a guide it's a coach it's a plumb line it's a punch in the in the stomach every now and then um but you know you want to have people around you perhaps in your circle of influence not the ones who aggravate you but the ones who agitate you mm, very good. and there's a big difference agitation is where you stir something up inside of something you agitate it where you mix it up so that so that there's a different connection, that there's a different flavor. I mean, you can take a whole bunch of ingredients, you can make yourself a cup of coffee, and you put the coffee in, you put the powder in, you put the sugar in, you put the water in, and you just leave it. That's not coffee. That doesn't give you um, the flavor, that, that, that true flavor, mm. until you take a spoon and you agitate, you stir up, so that that ingredients is mixed just right, and then you serve that, and inside of that is the flavor, it's the aroma, mm. it's that smell, the essence. They're going, oh, that's what I needed, just somebody to stir me up. Yeah. But if you take that same cup and you put the ingredients in and you, you, you know, the dry powders and then you put the water in and you get somebody does this, you're just making a mess. Yeah. That coffee's lost. Yeah. That energy's lost. That opportunity's lost. So be an agitator, not an aggravator. Very good. People as well. Yeah. And I think, again, I think it takes, it comes into play with um, having known where you've come from and what it takes to get out of there. And why, yeah. why that, that's what makes a great leader is that they can see where you're at and understand it because they've been there. Uh, and they are, they are, 
again, like you said, mixing, mixing the pots to get the right kind of flavor. Now, not everyone's going to be, sure. not everyone's going to come out with the same flavor, but they can at least be mixed well, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. Finding, finding a leader who can do that for you is, is, I think, is a fundamental about life, especially if you're trying to achieve more than what you've achieved before. So definitely one of the hallmarks of a great leader is to, <laughs> to agitate people, I guess. Yeah. Not irritate, not aggravate, but just agitate. Agitate. Very good. Get them stirred up. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So yeah, I think um, I think it's been been great chatting to you about this. I've got a lot of insights. I've got pages of stuff that I've got to go and start actioning. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. But no. um, dude, really thank you for this. Uh, I appreciate it. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch yeah. on? Any other thoughts that you had before we, we sign off? Yeah, don't die with potential. Oh, so good. Okay, don't die with potential. Mm. Um, you know, I think I may have said this before, but it just reminds me again of an elastic of a rubber band. Mm -hmm. And a rubber band is just this piece of rubber that is absolutely useless to man and beast until it's stretched. Yeah. But before it's stretched, it's full of potential energy. It's got the potential to increase. But with increase comes a stretching. And it, once you stretch, it doesn't change who it is. It changes how it is. Sure. So we as human beings, if we're that elastic, we shouldn't change who we are, mm. but change how we are. So that when we stretch, our capacity is increased. And then people get all twisted up about the fact that, oh, something's going to change. Yeah, you get twisted up so that you can hold something the way it was meant to work. Because only once that elastic has been stretched, it then moves from its potential into its purpose. Very good. So don't die somebody who is full of potential. As a matter of fact, don't even live somebody who's full of potential. Stretch yourself on a daily basis. Increase your capacity. Twist up if you have to. Don't change who you are. Change how you are, but live on purpose every day. Love it.